Hello, this is David Sangster, lead pastor at New Life Church. Thank you for joining us today for our podcast. It's our goal to help you grow in your faith and discover all that God has for you. I hope you're encouraged, challenged, and inspired. Enjoy the message. I'm so glad that New Year's in full swing, and I am so glad that uh, you're here this morning to start our new series. Our new series is entitled, is entitled, ah, What Makes Us Human? What Makes Us Human? God questions, good questions, right? So one of the things we're going to do, see this stack of little, little commentaries? Um, we are going to be running through many of these commentaries this year, and they're all, what, uh, they're all, all questions that I want to help answer, okay? Um, so we're going to starting out with what makes us human, okay? So um, before I jump into the message, I do want to do a little extra plug for this marriage retreat, okay? This marriage retreat is phenomenal. We are going to have such a good time. Uh, it's, it's one overnight. It's not expensive for a couple. All your meals are included. The hotel is gorgeous. The meeting room is amazing. And we just have been working very hard on this marriage retreat to make it a blessing for you for that. If you are married, you need to get there. Figure out what to do with your kids, get there, okay? If you've been married for a year, get there, or less than a year. If you've been married for 40 years plus, get there. We need, we need both ends of the spectrum to make this a, a wonderful experience. So I encourage you, uh, figure out how to make it happen. You can sign up on, on the, the website very soon, and there's a bunch of information on that. But that is a key moment in time for our church, and I want you there. All right, let's pray. Lord, thank you for this time we could be together and study the Word of God. God, I pray that you'd help us to glean some, uh, some truths about why we're here, what we're supposed to do. Uh, why did you embark on this journey with us in the first place? So we thank you, Lord, for this opportunity in Jesus' name. Amen. So the big idea for this sermon today is our ideas about right and wrong, who we are, and how we view other people are fundamentally shaped by our answer to the question, what is a human? What is a human? There's a better question. What, is he, what are we here for? What are we doing? So let's back up and step further and ask this question. It is a question that touches many of the issues that trouble and concern us day to day. Questions of personal ethics, human rights and sexuality. Questions of economics, war, family, and close relationships. The good news is that the Bible has a lot to say about who we are and what makes us human. It tells us we are creatures, right? We are creatures, cre- creatures created, not coincidence. It tells us that we are precious, not pointless. It shows where we come from and where we're going to. It tells us that we are dust, but that we are dust with a destiny, okay? It turns out that people are not problems to be solved, but mysteries to be explored and enjoyed. So much of our time and effort in the world is trying to figure out the problem of humanity, and there are problems. We need prisons. We need, you know, 
the justice system. We need all that stuff. We get that. But that's, you, I don't know if you ever understood this, but did you know that negativity sells? Did you know that? Negativity sells. That's why every news article and show always tells you the problems with humanity. It's very rare that you find a news story that talks about the, um, the awesome thing that is this creature called Homo sapiens. Right? Negativity sells. Don't buy into that. There is a, we are dust. Yes, we're dust, but we're dust with a destiny. Anybody in here, people watcher? Anybody? Yes, you're one of the weird ones with me. I, my, my wife is like, what are you, why, why is that fun for you? I mean, she can go, uh, here's the option. I can either go into the store and shop with her, or I can sit on the bench and watch people. Sometimes I actually do like to go shopping with her. She's fun to shop with. But she marvels. That's not her thing. In fact, my kids have kind of picked up on this, and we will do this thing where we're waiting for mom, doing something because she's always doing something. She keeps our lives running. We'll sit and do nothing <laughs> while she does everything. Uh, we'll sit down, and we'll watch people, and we'll kind of come up with, like, what do you think their story is? What's their story? And... I guarantee we're really, really wrong. <laughs> about, but it's a lot of fun. Because people are different. We're very, very different. It's fun because we're different, right? To, to, to look at the differences in humanity. We're racially different, culturally different, socially different, educationally different, generationally, intellectually, psychologically, and physically different. We are a spectrum of weirdness and that's the greatest thing about our culture our 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 species it's perhaps more vital than ever to tackle these questions now since our modern world is giving us so many different options as to who we are and where we've come from let me give you a couple of those options i'm going to give you some first i'm going to give you some of man's thoughts And then we're going to talk about God's thoughts. Okay? So man's thoughts, number one. Minds. Humans as thinkers. Humans as thinkers. French philosopher René Descartes arrived at the famous statement, I can know I exist because I know I'm thinking. Or, the shorter version, which is more popular, I think, therefore I am. All right? Human consciousness is an amazing thing. But it is merely a portion of what it means to be created in the image of God. Like this thing we have, this consciousness, this ability to think, we are the only things on this planet that has the ability to think about why we're, why we're on this planet, what we're doing here on this planet. It's that consciousness. It's that ability to ponder the deeper things. But that's not all we are. That gets into that Gnostic idea of like the flesh being bad and the mind being the spirit being sacred. No, we, we are integrated. We are, we are mind, body, and spirit. We are not some elaborate simulation 
Anybody ever feel that way? Like, maybe only the narcissists do. Like, I'm, I'm in a simulation, and everybody else is just, like, as soon as I take my eyes off them, they disappear behind me, and you're like, pastor's weird. <laughs> okay. Uh, no, we're not in a simulation. Your neighbor is real. They have their own real thoughts. They're not just, the world does not revolve around us and our minds. We fit into this world with a bunch of other minds and bodies and people that we need to get, get, get along with and that we need to improve the life that they live. Others exist. Reality exists. We are more than brainwaves. Okay, man thought number two. Apes. Humans as animals. Now, if you watch the news, you might think humans are animals. Human beings are nothing but upright animals with a taste for clothes and complicated food. Jane Goodall said that. Jane Goodall popularized the idea that we share many characteristics with apes. In chimps, Goodall observed personalities, emotions, and perhaps even some rational thought. She saw remarkable social behavior with huge, uh, excuse me, with hugs and tickling, family affection and memory. Genetic research has shown that chimps share between 95 and 99% of human DNA. Interesting, right? I'm going to hear cat lovers. You like, the cat, you like your cat people? Okay. Uh, you share 90% of your DNA with cats. Did you know that? Yeah. How many dog people in here? 80% of your DNA is shared with your dog. Okay. Here, ready? There's a joke. Dogs look at humans and say, he feeds me, he clothes me, he uh, takes care of my poop. <laughs> humans must be gods, and they worship them. Cats say, he feeds me, he clothes me, he takes care of my poop, I must be a god. It's <laughs> the difference. You know it's true. That's why you're laughing. Here's another one. Ready? Did you know that you share 50% of, of our DNA with bananas? 50% of you are bananas. And I hate bananas. I, do, I loathe bananas. But yeah, I mean, we, sh we don't share many similarities other than if become a tripping hazard when you're laying around, not doing anything. But, I mean, DNA is, people like to try to, like, draw these connections. Well, we must come from apes or we must have come from, you know, whatever. DNA is a very intricate thing that creates a lot of, we have a lot of similarities with a lot of different things, okay? So we're more than just the sum of our parts, Right? We're not just DNA strands, although that's an amazing part of humanity. We're more than that. Okay, human thought number three. Computers, humans as biological machines. Stephen Hawking said this, I regard the brain as a computer 
which will stop working when its components fail. There is no heaven or afterlife for broken down computers. I wonder how he's dealing with that now. AI has been a big news, has been big in the news recently. Anybody hear about that? AI, I mean, if they should just go back and watch the Terminator. <laughs> it doesn't end well. It never ends well, all right? <laughs> but AI has been, and, and uh, anybody heard of this guy, Elon Musk? He's had very big things to say about the dangers of AI and developing of AI. Yet we are not machines who work only to wear out and to be replaced. We are beings capable of contemplating our own mortality. Wearing out is not natural to our, our psyche, even though we have been doing it for millennia. It's not natural to us to, to, to wear out. We know that we are made to endure. And the fact that we don't causes us to ask the questions, why? There has to be more. Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 11 says, Yet God has made everything beautiful in its own time. He has planted eternity in the human heart. But even so, people cannot see the whole scope of God's work from beginning to end. Eternity has been planted in your heart. You were made for an eternal existence. And the fact that we break down and don't, don't live eternally in the flesh right now as we are causes us to question what's going on. Right? So we are made for more than the sum of these days. So we've taken a couple. Now, there's, there's thousands of different ideas of where humanity came from, what we're for, and all things. But let's look at God's thoughts. We don't want to hang out in that realm for too long. Let's, let's, let's look at God's thoughts about humans. We can't, we can find a diff, million different human ideas, but. Let's uh, take a look at God's thoughts about us. Isaiah 55, 9. This is the Lord's declaration. For as heaven is higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. So it's great to look at what humans think about things, but I want to know what God thinks. Now, you should too. So first thing, we are created in God's image. After an inventory in Genesis chapter 1 of all the good things that God created, he makes a monumental announcement. Let's read it. Genesis 1, starting in verse 26. It says this. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish and the sea and the birds of the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over the creatures that move among Along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. All right. Humanity, therefore, seems to be a kind of hybrid creature. This explains the, the um, continuity between bananas and the rest of creation. We're a hybrid, right? We have some DNA that 
matches, even, even to the point of chimps, we have a lot, we share a lot of the same stuff, right? Um, we are a created species. We're made up of two sexes, male and female. We come at the culmination of the creation process. So we are physical beings with flesh and blood, and we are fragile and earthbound. That's what that says. We are fragile and we are earthbound. Yet there are some things that set us apart. Genesis identifies this uniqueness as being called the image of God. Now, gallons of ink have been spilled at trying to ascertain what the image of God means. People have so many different uh, ideas about what the image of God is. All right? But what remains is this. Uh, we can try to figure all that out. I think people, some people call it like the, our consciousness, our ability to think about right and wrong, our ability to contemplate our own mortality, the ability, the ability to do uh, things that don't pertain to just living, like you know, animals have instincts to, to go uh, and do, get food, procreate, get sh- uh, sh- uh, shelter, these types of things. But we do things that are weird, like we like to paint and make art, and solve problems, and build things, and subdue things, and all that type of stuff, okay? But the fact of the matter is, what remains is this, that all creation was done, and God said that creation was good, but he took humans and made them separate from that, and placed on them a higher calling, and we call that the image of God. Now, I don't know all of that encompasses, but it's different from every other creation that God created. Okay? So we're different. We're special. People are like, well, humans aren't special. We are special. You're special. Sometimes you're a little more special. But you're special. I'm telling you, folks, do not let the narrative of this world drag you down. You are not a highly evolved ape that likes to wear clothes and eat fancy food. You are a child of God. You've been created and stamped with the image of God on you. You are special. You're important. You matter. You matter. Don't buy the lie. Another thing, another thought out of that passage is this. We are created for responsibility. And every teenager went, ugh. A few adults, too. We were created for responsibility. We were created to do something. We were not created to frolic. Right? We weren't just, ah, exist. I exist, therefore I exist. No, you exist for a purpose, to do something. God's got a purpose and a plan for humanity, for you in particular. Humans were made to rule over creation. Let's go back, Genesis 1.26. Then God said, let, uh, let us make man in our image and our likeness so that they may rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that ha- uh, live among the ground, move among the ground. We were created to rule this stuff. Now that sounds like very, that's harsh in this day and age. Really? You're part of the problem. I don't know. Maybe I am. But here's the thing. We were created to steward this world. We were put originally into a garden. And what did God say? He goes, work the garden. I gave you the raw materials, now make it awesome. 
Make it better. Do something with it. Enjoy it. Genesis 2.15, the Lord took the man and put him in a garden to work and to take care of it. You were made to work. Sorry. I was talking to somebody the other day who was getting ready for retirement. Praise the Lord. Retirement's awesome, right? Uh, and I said to him, I'm going to just give you a little wisdom that I've given everybody who's had this conversation with me getting ready to retire. Because I'm sorry, you retirees, but I'm going to tell you something. Once you retire, sometimes you get a little weird. <laughs> sometimes you get a little weird. I don't know if it's too much time in your hands, not knowing what to do, too much, you know, news or whatever the internet, uh, YouTube has to offer you. Um, so here's what I always tell my, my retirees, whom I love deeply. Pray that God will give you a vision for the next season of your life. It doesn't have to look like the last season at all. You don't have to get paid to do it. But don't just sit around. We were made to work. So work at something. Ask God to give you a vision for the next stuff. Uh, I asked my dad that question, and I asked my mom that question. When they, because dad got a little weird when he retired. I'm just going to be honest with you. Uh, too much Fox News. Um, but I, I said, Dad, what's the, what's the vision for the next season of your life? And to my dad's credit and my mom's credit, she, we had this conversation too, you and I. They both said, they thought about it first, they prayed about it, and they said, the vision that we feel God has given us for the next season of life is to invest in our grandchildren in whatever way we can. That's a good vision. That's legacy building. But it's a vision that needs to be acted out. Okay? So... We were made to work at every area of our life. From the time you are able to know what work is, parents, give your kids some responsibility. The kids are going to hate me after this. Give your kids some responsibility. Don't do everything for them. Don't do everything for them. Make them do stuff. And guess this, don't pay them. They're part of your family. If, if my wife got paid every single time she did something for us, We'd be millionaires. But she doesn't. She does it because she's part of it. We do things because we're part of a family. There might be some things you pay them for. But we need to understand that that's what our job is as humans is to do stuff. Work. This act of custodial stewardship was meant to be passed on to future generations to be, uh, for, the, for the process to be continued. Genesis 1.27 says this, so God created the man in, in his own image. He created him in the image of God. He created them male and female. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. Be fruitful, have kids, and let those kids know that they got a job to do too. That they're not just, you know, meant to just wallow in their parents' provision. I'm saying that very politely, by the way, if you see the words coming. Um, they are meant to do something. Get them doing something. It's supposed to be passed on. Number three, we are created for relationship. Created in the image of God, created to do something, created to, 
to function, to work, to do something. And lastly, we're create, not lastly, there's many more than this, but today what we're talking about is created for relationship. Genesis 2, 21 says this. So God, uh, so the Lord God caused a deep sleep to come over the man, and he slept. And God took one of his ribs and closed the flesh at that place. Then the Lord God made the rib he had, been t- he had taken from the man into a woman and brought her to the man. And the man said, this one at last is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. This one will be called woman, for she was taken out of man. This is why a man leaves his father and mother and bonds with his wife, and they become one flesh. Following the fruitless search for a suitable helper among other animals, the man is given a partner equally made in God's image. Do you see that? When he sees her, he's like, oh, finally. Oh, thank you, God. Thank you, God. Finally, after all the searching, there's been nothing that has been at the same level of the creation you've made me to be, and now she's here. And he was, he was blown away by it. Okay? She's is equal. She's equal to him. Listen to this very carefully, church, because the narrative in our culture is not this. Ready? She is equal, but she is different in all the best ways. She's equal, but she's different. That's why she got her name. Adam saw her, and they were naked. And he's like, whoa, man. (laughs) Equal but different in all the best ways. I'm telling you right now, my life would not function without my Lisa. She is is everything I am not, and I am everything she's not. We are made for one another. So valuable to to humanity understand that she's equal but she's different she is female not male when he wakes to discover another person in exactly the same wavelength as him he's overjoyed and bursts out into song of praise because that part where it's a uh this one is last at least one bone of my bone that's actually a song so ladies if your man loves you he will sing to you She's like, I don't want that. Trust me, you see. Um, all right. He has found an end to his long, longing in a horizontal relationship with the woman. Humans were made for relationship, horizontal relationships between family units. That's where, the, where it starts, the family unit. That's horizontal relationships. And then, and then it goes out into the, the greater community, these horizontal relationships. Um, guys, let me, just, let me just open this up for you. You need other guys. Ladies, you need other ladies. You need these horizontal relationships. You need these things. We are relational creatures. We need one another. Guys, come out to football. Eat wings. It's a spiritual act. I love how you laugh about that, but I'm actually serious. And be bonding together o- over food and Seeing other guys bash each other's heads in, that's a spiritual life. No, I mean, 
You get what I'm saying? We need each other. So come out to football. Come out, and then come out to prayer, too. Don't just come to the football. Come to the prayer, too, because we need each other. Ladies, you need one another. Guys, listen. To, oh, this is something. I'm going to get off, the, off, off on a soapbox for a second. John, where's John? John and I have been researching like crazy, and we finally found a place to have a men's, two-night men's retreat. This place is legit, man. It's awesome. If you, when we finally get this information out, I don't care if you have to take a Friday off of work. Make sure you do it because it's going to be awesome. Because we're relational. We need each other. We need each other. All right. We can summarize these, uh, they're, they're, these horizontal relationships are um, complemented by two vertical relationships. Okay, so we can put that the graph up. So we have these horizontal men and women, these horizontal relationships. And then we have these vertical relationships, okay, between God at the top and creation at the bottom. We are stewards of those vertical relationships, too. We're stewards of our relationship with God, and we're stewards of the relationship that we have with our world. Okay? Um, and then we have these horizontal relationships. It's so vitally important that we live in this pocket between the vertical and the horizontal relationships. That's where we find fulfillment. Okay? Um, this was the design for humanity from the beginning, and it's still the design for humanity today. I said this before, and I'll say it again. You don't put your dishes in the washing machine. And you don't put your clothes in the dishwasher. There is a manual that will clearly say, do not put foreign objects in these, because it's created for a purpose. It's supposed to run. It'll run really well and long if you use some common sense, and you follow, <laughs> follow the manufacturer's guidelines, right? If you, if you wash your dishes in the dishwasher, you're going to get clean dishes a lot. If you put your clothes in the, in the washing machine, you're going to get clean clothes, okay? Because that's what it's made for. But if you do put your dishes in the washing machine, get ready to have a dustpan ready when you open that thing up because it's going to be destroyed. And I'm telling you, we as human beings are often living life outside of how we were designed and our life is in shatters. And Jesus loves you so much that he is willing to bring the dustpan, scoop you up and remake you, to reform you like, like, the, potter's, like the potter's hand on the clay. Right? He, he cares about you enough to get you back on track. He loves you. Why? I do not know why he loves me that way. I don't understand it. But he does. Living in harmony with the fundamental relationship structure gives us a framework for how we flourish. This is a fundamental relational structure. That's how we flourish. John 10.10 10 says this. I have come so that you may have life and have it abundantly. If you want to live an abundant life, check the manual out. It's got all the things that tell you how that happens. And one of these, a few of these things are that we're created in the image of God. We're created to do something. We're created to work. And we're created for relationship. 
good, healthy, vertical and horizontal relationships. Humans flourish. Human flourishing is what we'll, expect, we'll be talking more about next week as we discover just how God sees us and how we ought to see ourselves. Okay, so that's next week. This week, I want to end with this. Don't buy the lie, the human narratives that are just that, human thoughts, and embrace what God says about you, what you're here for, why you're here. You're special, you're important, you have a job to do, and you're made for relationships. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this time we can be together to explore this topic. God, I pray that every single person here comes away with a nugget, just just a a nugget of gold that they they can take home and bring it into their Monday and their Tuesday and their Wednesday and their Thursday and Fridays. Oh, and Saturday too. God, I thank you that for some reason you desired to have a relationship with us, that you desire for us to have a relationship, that you, that you created us for these things. God, I pray that my brothers and sisters here in this room would not be led astray by the narratives that are around, but that they would hold fast to the truths of the designer. So we thank you for this moment, and I thank you for them. Bless them, keep them in Jesus' name. Amen. I hope you enjoyed our podcast today. To find out more about New Life Church or to plan a visit, go to our website at discovernewlife.org.